All thy work shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Thank you, God, that we get to praise it now. We don't have to wait till the time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, willingly or unwillingly, we come as your children willingly and we praise you and we thank you. Thank you that we've been able to sing this morning about the wonderful name of Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you that he has come on our behalf. And then, Lord, as we sang uh, this great hymn of the faith, acknowledging the triune Godhead that rules the universe, the one who made all things, who has been largely ignored by the human race, those for whom he sent his son to die, to rescue. It puts it in balance again that you're holy and there's none like you, And at the same time, you love us and set your affection on us. And that would be absolutely incongruous, impossible for a holy God to embrace broken, wicked people like ourselves if it wasn't for the grace of God centered in the person of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said, and most of us want to compete with him. We need your grace. We thank you for it. And we thank you, Jesus, that when you came, you not only suffered, bled, and died, but you were raised from the dead as proof that the entire strategy, which would never fail because it's yours, God, it worked so that all who believe might have life everlasting and life abundant. And the way you made that possible, Jesus, you returned to the right hand of the majesty on high, waiting for that day when you bring this mess down here to a close. You come back and gather up your saints for eternity. We will worship you forever, and worship will not just be singing, although we've had good practice here. It will also be serving you in glory and in your millennial kingdom. And so, God, we thank you for that. But especially we're grateful that you did not leave us as orphans, but you gave us the Holy Spirit. He's the one we need. We need to lean on, hear from, be guided by, empowered and gifted as well. So we praise you for every good thing you've done on our behalf, God. Everything we need for life and godliness in this world has been supplied, whether we're aware of it or not. So we praise you. We thank you. Uh, Thank you for the gathering of your saints today in freedom. Other places in the world would put their lives at risk to be doing this right now. So we say thank you. But we want to leverage our freedom and our opportunity for your name's sake, we pray. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thanks for getting rid of that. (laughs) And thank you, worship team probably have a couple of quick announcements I should make. Uh, I don't know. There were two things. One is we'll be starting up the uh, Daily Bible series again in the summer. And I don't know. Did my name get, did my uh, email get up on the screen, Ryan? Did it ever get up? Well, you're so amazing. I'll bet you you could pull it off. I, I'm, no pressure, brother. <laughs> it's a little too late for that. Hawkman2 at AOL.com. Don't laugh. All of you high techies laugh. AOL, really? What's that? 
number one. Number two, this afternoon after this service, all elders, deacons, deaconesses, we have lunch for you and a meeting. Did you all remember? Mike, I'm sorry I put you on the spot. I already had you as an officer in my head. Is that all right? You forgive me? He's a Christian. He has to. All right. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you today? A little questionable here, I think. All right, I brought my equipment with me. Here we go. All right. Is that good enough, or does it have to go up higher? It, high, oh, I, got, I still got the signal. Put it up higher. There it is. This is not a sermon about Stanley at all. If you have a Bible and... Uh, you would like to read the passage of scripture that we're in with me today? Uh, I recommend that. It's 1 Corinthians, the second, uh, the twelfth chapter, verses four through thirteen. And if you want to pull the black Bible out of the chair, if you don't know your way around, all you have to do is turn to page one one four nine, one thousand one hundred forty nine, and you'll be on the exact page. I'm going to make a disclaimer. We'll be dabbling in passages of Scripture that most Baptist churches wish weren't in the Bible. But that's okay because it is in there and we believe in teaching what is true. So, chapter 12, the fourth verse. Here's what the Scripture says. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, no matter what your background you have been born again, you're baptized into that body by the Spirit. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Amen? I only heard a few amens. Are you all nervous already? Well, that's good. So our title is The Carpenter's Tool Set. And um, the, my, that came to my mind because I, I'm going to quote a couple of times from this antique piece of conservative Baptist writ. This book, uh, Les Flynn, uh, The 19 Gifts of the Spirit, a conservative Baptist pastor down in Nanuet years ago, wrote this when study of the spiritual gifts were a hot topic in the church. A lot of it's kind of fallen by the wayside, but not completely. Some of the most up-and-running churches have uh, classes and um, grids that you can work your way through to discover your gifts and put them to work. And so... That's a healthy thing, and some people have kicked that idea around for here as well. There are some resources available that you can utilize for that. But what I wanted to do this morning was make sure we start with reviewing or getting the big picture. 
And uh, we have been in a series, if you're visiting with us or you've missed a few Sundays, we have been in a series on the subject of Grace Illustrated. And I decided I would end it by talking about the grace says that God has left for his children. So we need to have the big picture of grace. The big picture of grace revolves around the existence of God, like we've been singing about this morning, eternity, living the life of Christ in the here and now, the world in which we live, the freedom of the Holy Spirit that he gives us, the victory he can give us, the power of reconciliation with God and with my fellow brothers and sisters. All of that is the birthright of the believer. And the one who is imparted to us as children of God is the Holy Spirit to help us. And so the Spirit, when he indwells us, he uh, is forming the personality of Jesus, sometimes little steps at a time, sometimes big steps, as when you see somebody who's been a hardened criminal get turned around radically, not unlike the Apostle Paul, who was persecuting the church, gets born again, his life turns around radically. Then there's the rest of us. You know, we get born again and it's like hard work moving forward. But either way, we're moving forward and we're becoming conformed to the image of the Son of God. But on top of that indwelling, there is a special enablement that the Spirit has given to help us. So let me back up and give the big picture. We're talking about grace. I mean, we got to get our minds around grace in the first place. Did anybody ponder that as we were singing holy, holy, holy? You know the line? I, I know we just don't, in our culture today, we don't get this. Though the eye of sinful man, thy glory cannot see. If anyone were to see God right now, remember Indiana Jones? You want to see God? Let's go see him together. I want, you don't remember. You've got to get out more. Anyway, yeah. If you see God, it's because you're dead, all right? You can only see glimpses of his glory. And because man is thoroughly inundated with a problem called sin, it saturated us. There's a big gulf between God and us. There had to be some resolution of the problem. So let me put the definition of grace by Millard Erickson back up, if I could, just to remind us in a minute. First, God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, not on the basis of what you deserve. See, we don't get that until we become a believer and the lights come on and we go, oh, now I get what I really deserve. And it wasn't what I thought I deserved. But simply according to their need. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness and generosity. God pours out on us unmerited favors. That's grace. So here's a classic text. I must have skipped. I, I, I made you jump, Ryan. Thanks for staying with me. Uh, all of the worship team, by the way, had a really hard morning. Am I right? With uh, technicalities. And now you've got to put up with me. That's a technicality. All right. For by grace, everybody, let's, let's say this together. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Stop right there. Let's go back to the definition, Ryan. By grace you have been saved through faith. Grace, 
God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, what they deserve, but simply according to their need. What was our need? A savior. We needed somebody to impute to us, to, to um, stamp legally on us that we are declared righteous because we're never going to make it left to ourselves. We're not going to be able to pull it off, as good as you might be. I was just witnessing to somebody, and, and they were talking about, I wonder if God is mad about this kind of thing. Well, yeah, I know we don't like to talk like that. You know, is God mad? Yeah, he, he does get mad. His anger, by the way, is not petulant road rage. That's what we think. We think God acts like us, or some of us. Let me change that. Some of us. The, the five honest people in the room who are willing to say, oh, yes, I've had some of that. That's not how God does. God doesn't go, yeah, yeah. That's not what he does. God's anger, or what has been called wrath, is God's settled disposition against sin. He hates sin, always will, because sin is rebellion. And rebellion is not just because you broke my rules, I'm so mad. That's not the problem. Rebellion, sin brings, who knows it? Yes, the wages of sin is death. You all understand death is not just Death is separation. When the soul leaves the body, you're dead. When a marriage dissolves, it's dead. When a culture falls apart at the seams, it's dying. That's death working wherever. The ecology, our, our, our planet that we've been entrusted with, when we ruin it, we bring death. We cause it to unravel. That's death at work. Jesus came to rescue us from the consequences of sin, death, in all of its ramifications. Do you know that one day he's going to restore the world the way it's supposed to be? He's going to restore our bodies the way it's supposed to be, and on and on and on. Boy, I didn't realize Christianity was so boring. Anyway, God deals with us on the basis of our need. That's grace. And he had to do it in a just way, which means he had to pay for our sins for us. Have you ever had anybody bail you out at the checkout? Yeah. Yes? Doesn't that feel good? Here you are, embarrassed. You got all this stuff. Oh, boy. And somebody just bails you out. That's what God did for us. But it's not automatic. You have to receive it. So if you don't understand that, I preach it every time. Please seek one of us out so that you settle the issue that this great grace that's been provided for you is on your behalf. You have to receive it. Let's go to the next slide, that, that verse again out of um, Ephesians. Sorry I messed you up there, Ryan. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is the first part. That's not of yourselves. You've got to get this right. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. No one's going to be able to say, I did a great job, didn't I? Welcome me in. If you're hoping on that, and that's what my dialogue with my friend was, uh, how many good deeds? Do, do I have to do social justice? Do I have to cross little old ladies across the street with the, with the Boy Scouts? Do I have to do this? Do I have to? Is that what gets me in? No. It's not going to be enough to make up for your debt. You're, you've got a deficit. You can never catch up. That's the problem. But because he gives us his grace, 
we get rescued, and then it goes on. It doesn't stop there. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? You know, I found out that in our generation, some old expressions, nobody knows what you're talking about anymore. Does anybody know the expression, you've got to get the horse in front of the cart? How about try to push a rope? You get that one, right? You don't get that one? I'm sorry. Try to push a rope. What, what happens when you push it? It doesn't. Yeah. A broom handle you can push, right? Rope doesn't. You got to put the horse. This is back in the old days before, boom, jizz, you know, those things called automobiles. This is back. You don't put the horse behind the cart because the cart's going to go cockeyed. You're going to turn it over, all right? Okay, so I won't use that one ever again because it's, I'm wasting time trying to explain. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> flirting with death over there. Okay. <laughs> Were you around? Almost. <laughs> I am old. Uh, listen, I worked with a colleague up north. I had him on my staff. He had white hair prematurely. I called him the Ancient of Days. He hated it, but anyway. <laughs> so, and I hope he's listening. Well, Doug, that was for you. Anyway, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Please get the horse in front of the cart. You have to be born again, then my good deeds are laying up treasures in heaven. Do you understand? I'm not earning my way to heaven, I'm laying up rewards. You want to talk about grace, is that amazing? He not only rescues you, he's willing to reward you. We just sang, casting, all the saints adore you, casting down what? They're golden. Where did they get the golden crowns for crying out loud? It wasn't McDonald's. Sorry, Larry. It just wasn't. The gold. Oh, that's Burger King, isn't it? Yeah. I'm... My job is in jeopardy now, Lord. Help. So anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm trying to think of a good comeback. There isn't any, so forget it. Just stepped in that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God had it in mind when he rescued you not to put you on the shelf. I say this all the time. If that's all there is, oh, I got saved, I'm going to heaven. And I've met so many Christians. And by the way, I think we should be excited about heaven. That's not, I mean, sometimes I wonder about it. Anybody wonder about that? What's it really going to feel like when it... Boop, I walk through that door, and I'm like, that's how it is, just like it said. Oh, wow. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah. Got some excited people here. Don't get carried away. All right. <laughs> but if all it was was to get my ticket to heaven, you should have dropped dead the minute you accepted Jesus. That's all there is. Wouldn't that be fun, though, if, if it worked that way? Are you ready to... Well, let, let me bury my father first. I think somebody said something like that. Or, or let, me, uh, let me make sure that I turn all my bank accounts over to my spouse, because she's going to wonder what happened to me. Okay, Jesus, I accept you. Boop! He's gone. Didn't happen that way. Why? 
because you have works that God had in his mind before you were ever thunk of for you to walk in them. Do you have any sense of awareness that you're walking in them? Ah, so that brings me to the next subject. God says, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to give you an enablement. So if you're a note taker, the next fill-in after the top one of grace is spiritual gifts, graces. They are, in fact, you know what the word for grace is in Greek? It's charis. You know what the word for spiritual gift is? Charisma. Ever hear of charismatic? Of course you have. In fact, you're all nervous because I'm reading from a charismatic text. No, I'm reading from a biblical text. I just want to push that out. It's charismatic because anything to do with the giftings of the Spirit is charismatic. It's charisma. And that's what this is, spiritual gifts. And we looked at several things about spiritual gifts. So this is for later. I didn't need that. Let me go on from there. Graces. First, I want to understand the big picture of grace, that God has called us not only to know his son and to be on our way to heaven, but to serve him in the here and now, not just serve ourselves. You know what I see in the American? This is a generalization. I'm not picking on anybody in this room because there's nobody in this room, not on my watch, that would be in this category. We're chasing the world. We're chasing everything the world has to offer. And God is fortunate, we think, if he gets the leftovers of our time. There's a great story that Jesus told when he was coaching his disciples. And he said there was a man who started to make it big. He was on the stock exchange. He was hitting it big. You know, his stocks quadrupled. He became instantly loaded. He had so much. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll open 10 more companies. Now, the way Jesus said it was this way. He had a lot of crops. And he said, what am I going to do with this? There's enough crops here for me to live for the rest of my life and never have to plow again. I know what I'll do. I'll build more barns and I'll fill it up. I'll sit back and eat, drink and be merry and burp a lot and watch television. Yeah, Jesus said that. Go look it up. Anyway, I made that up. But that's the idea, and then he dies, and Jesus says, You fool! What's going to happen with all your junk? You do understand all the junk we have is going to disappear. So where are you investing? I'm a big believer. I have given my life to this, that I have been sending it forward. The only way to take your treasure with you, brothers and sisters, is to send it forward. Send it ahead. Enough on the exhortation, right? The rest is just pure teaching. No more exhortations. Graces, the gifts, the charisma, the the toolbox of the carpenter of Nazareth, right? Our Savior Jesus has something in mind by giving us various gifts. So last week I talked about the top top, uh, shelf, right? So let me just open this up here. And see what we have. Oh, this will be my representative of what was in the top tray. Remember we talked about leadership gifts? So a level, very important, because everything rises and falls on those leaders. If it's level, then your project will be good. If it's not, you know, in space science, right, Uh, NASA, The slightest miscalculation down here means you ended up in the wrong solar system or whatever. It's that kind of a thing. 
So there are leadership issues to address. I want to say this morning, uh, in the fall, we're going to um, formally recognize a new beginning that we're having here and uh, trying to move forward into the future. I'm hoping we add more and more, and uh, I'm praising God for that. And um, this is a new chapter for uh, Harmony Baptist. It's been a long time since we've had leadership, and that's why our elders and whatever... This afternoon, we're getting together. We're going to look at a larger council so that people don't miss or we don't miss issues that matter to the body and issues that matter even beyond what we know yet. So hopefully, you pray for us that we'll move in a good direction. But that's what's in the top tray. You set the bar, the level of everything else. Just for the sake of quickly making sure I don't leave you in the dark. I skipped over this last week because it was Father's Day and I kind of wanted to broaden the challenge to us as men in general. And uh, in our culture, I think that's extremely, extremely important because there's so much confusion going on that uh, men rise up and, and model uh, what we're called to be. Maleness and femaleness is God's invention, not ours. It's God's. He had it in mind. So we spoke about that last week. Let me go back and just uh, make sure that we're informed on why there's certain language. We looked at this uh, last week. God has appointed in the church. This is 1 Corinthians 12. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. See, I told you these are troublesome verses, aren't they? How many of you already parked on the last gift there? Come on, fess up. Good, good for you. Oh, one over here. I'll straighten you out this week. Anyway, God has appointed the church, what? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then all these other things. Why does it speak that way? Well, let me help you understand apostles, prophets, teachers, that kind of thing. We understand teacher pretty well. Let me show you another first. How are they first? Because one of the things I want you to understand is that all the gifts matter. People argue about, oh, my gift is more important than your gift, and blah, blah, blah. You know, this, this one, well, you, Pastor Hawker, your gift really matters. Well, thank you, Jesus. It does matter, but so does yours. Your part needs to be done as well. All the gifts matter. But there is a way in which they're first. They're listed in an order here. Let me show you why. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you, every person who names the name of Jesus in spirit and in truth in this room, are you born again? Have you invited Christ into your life? If you have, you are no longer strangers. You are fellow citizens with the saints. In fact, that's what you're called. And are of God's household, having built, been built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. There's a sense in which it's first, right? Apostles and prophets who founded the church. Think about being around in the days right after Jesus went back to heaven. Guess what you didn't have? You didn't have a Bible. You couldn't go to the local Christian book. Oh, there's no Bible here. You couldn't get to the Bible in your hand, right? Isn't this embarrassing? Hawk was up here without a Bible in his hand. Pastor of the church. Anyway. How did they get the truth? How did they get it? The apostles and prophets wrote and prophesied and spoke truth. And so until we finally have it in written form, there was a role that, that those gifts had to play for the foundation of the church. 
Now, here's what happens. There's a sense in which no one will ever be an apostle like the 12 that Jesus picked. You know, eyewitnesses to the resurrection, and that includes Paul because he was an eyewitness to the resurrection. But there is a use of the word apostolo, if I may be so bold. It means a messenger, a commissioned emissary, like an ambassador. That's what it's referring to. There were 12 unique ones that will never be replaced, but there were other ambassadors and people who are referred to as apostles in the New Testament, if you tease it out. So they were those who go out and build foundationally the church of Jesus. I'll give an example. When we were in Senegal, there's a brother over there that literally has that kind of a gifting. You know what Paul did as an apostle? He went around uh, all of Asia Minor and all of that and planted churches everywhere he went. There's a brother over there, um, Adama is his name. It's a Muslim country. He has planted and started all kinds of ministries. It's just, it's his gift. It just kind of oozes out of him. And, uh, and the foreign missionaries are there. That's us. We're the foreign missionaries. We're over there watching this guy in action and going, you know, we need to do what he's doing. We need to support what he's making happen because he has that apostleship avail uh, ability. Okay? It's not the same as the, the men who follow Jesus around, but it is that kind of gifting that is at work. I hope today that maybe I can um, provoke some thinking that, you have not processed before about some of the things that we read in the scripture. Take prophet. That's the next one. Do you remember when Jesus went through Samaria? Anybody remember that story? Uh, which he, it says he had to go through Samaria, which is not true. Most Jews did not go the way he went. There was something making him have to go in here. Yes, sir. The woman at the well. And the Holy Spirit was prompting him, go and talk to this woman. He's talking with this woman, and he's talking about, well, her life. Does anybody remember what happened when he's talking about her life? What, what happened? She's, he says, go call your husband. What'd she say? I don't have one. Right you are, he says. You've had five, and the guy you're living with. And she's like, don't you hate meddlers like that? What does she say? She changed the subject like everybody you try to witness to, right? What do you think about the weather? She says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Why did she say that? Because he knew the secrets of her life. Supernaturally. That has something to do with prophecy. Okay, there's a spiritual insight. Some people have reduced prophecy today to um, simply the preaching gift. In my opinion, that's kind of an insipid, that means kind of weak um, definition. I think there's more to it than that. Okay? But are there prophets like the ones that founded the scripture and wrote the scripture or, or prophesied in those days? Are we adding to the Bible today? No. The Bible is the finished and absolute adequate word of God. Let me be clear about that so no one makes a mistake. But are there times for the spirit of prophecy to come on a person and speak into a life? Yes. I'm going to give you an example in a little bit later on, but just, uh, just trying to shake up the troops here. Last one, evangelist, that should be obvious. The word evangelist means speaker of good news, evangelisto, right? Just like at, uh, we sing it. Christmas time, the gospel, the good news. And the preachers of good news 
bear fruit. They share the good news. We just had a brother go to be with Jesus. His name was Billy Graham, one of the most famous evangelists and called America's pastor. And uh, international status as an evangelist helped build the church, the saints, the numbers, people coming to faith because of his gift. But they don't all look like Billy Graham. Some of them are sitting in this room. <gasps> Get out of town, Pastor John. Do you know those who study giftings and do statistics way back, maybe things have deteriorated since then. That was back in the 70s, 80s. They say that about 10% of a congregation have that inclination. <gasps> I'm going to find you out. <laughs> if you're walking in the spirit, you're going to find you out. You don't need me to find you out. It's going to start happening. You interact with people and people are drawn and interested in your God and your Savior. And, uh, and it happens. And in foreign lands like India, it's many nationals that we send out, commissioned to be evangelists. They go into villages where the gospel's never been preached. Some of them lay their lives down to do it. But those are evangelists. They're all giftings. All gifts are important. All of them. But there are some that are at the forefront of building the church and laying the foundation, the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. Dr. Ashley, do you need me to pull me out of here for heresy yet? I'm, go I'm doing okay so far. Thank you. When I instruct on leadership in the fall, we're going to kind of celebrate a, a new beginning. One of the jobs of elders we were just talking about, right, right, Glenn? You said, we need to tell everybody that. One of the jobs of the elders of the church or the prophets in the church is to be guardrails. Guardrails so that we don't go over a cliff, you know? Because you know, some churches have gone over cliffs and, you know, gotten themselves in trouble, marginalized themselves. Enough of that. That's the first level. The, the, um, the first tier. What's the matter? What did I miss? Oh, you have a question. No questions. No, no, no. What is it? No, that's my toolbox. I'm not giving that to you. I do. It's. I've. Very nice. You must have missed my first one on that. I think you did. Yeah, there's a difference between talents and acquired abilities and a spiritual gift. Now, how they go together, let me give an example. Because one of the gifts, in fact, can you, can you keep your seatbelt on? It's going to come out right now. It literally, it literally is going to come out right now. So, top tray was leadership. Got to look a little. Oh, here's standard. Standard tools, Right? I mean, you've got to have one of these around the house. This, how else do you deal with... Oh, never mind. So, you've got to have one, right? Screwdrivers, hammers, you know, stuff like that. It's the basic build. These are the basic. If you're in your notes, the next thing is standard tools. These are the basic building tools, basics. Romans 12, let me show you this. We already read this one in the weeks, weeks before, Don, so this is probably where you missed it. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let each exercise them accordingly, whatever your gift is. By the way, is anybody picking up on something here? Like, maybe you should find out what it is. Okay, enough said. Exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he who teaches in his teaching. Everybody knows what a teacher is, right? 
imparts knowledge, serving diakonos, from which we get deacon, a servant, a table waiter, but it means any form of serving, and it can even be used for people like Moses in the Old Testament, a servant of God. Any area that I serve. Okay, prophecy according to proportion of his faith. That I explained a little. He who exhorts in his exhortation. Hmm. He who gives with liberality, amen. All of the saints said amen. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Okay. He who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The word he who leads, leads means to stand before people. There's another word that will come out later on called administrations. The Greek word is gubernesis. Can anybody hear a word in there? Government. In fact, some of them call it the gift of governments, right? Governing. People who know how to move other people forward together. Not one of my gifts, by the way. It's not. It's why I hired him. Derek, Derek is saying, please don't point at me. Okay, but too late. Now, to answer your question. Exhortation. And this is going to figure in my next illustration. Take the gift of exhortation. The gift of exhortation... The Greek word is the same root as the word for the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Well, now you know. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. You've even seen that in hymnology, right? Paraclete. The parakletos, that kind of gift is the exhorting gift. It originally meant like a legal counsel who goes with you to face the the trial and supports you and encourages you and defends you, it's the same idea. The Holy Spirit comes along. You must have studied this recently, right? That's why you're grinning. And uh, the Spirit comes alongside of us and helps us. The Spirit, the, um, the gift, the spiritual gift of exhortation includes encouragement, rebuke, both. Stop that. Oh, come on. You can do this. A a, a great phrase I love. I've heard a lot of my charismatic brothers use, and it's a great phrase, and I I need to do more of it. It's like, I'm calling it out of you. You know what I'm saying? I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up. Up to the next level. Let's do this. Quit, quit, Quit sucking your thumb. Let's get up and do it. Right? That's exhortation. Now, the reason we're looking at all these words is because all of those, ba- these are kind of basic building gifts. You know, you've got teaching, exhorting, giving, showing mercy. Uh, those are things that make the church function normally, right? You need all of those at work. Everybody needs to do their part. If you have a gift of exhortation, but you have a talent of music, put those together. This is what a lot of these guys that are Christian artists, if they really minister to you by the power, and there are some, let's face it, guys, they're a dime a dozen, but there are some that you can just sense the anointing of God on it, and bam! Anybody, when, they first, when um, Robin Marks first came out with uh, Revival in Belfast, I mean, it would break me down almost every time I listened. Something about it. It's a gift of spiritual exhortation working through my talent. I may know how to use a level, but it would really help if I had the gift of helps to go use my level to help Shirley with her house, right? Stuff like that.
You get it? Sorry, I put you on the spot. Look, I made her turn red. It's my gift. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, a little blessing on your head there. So, now we're going to move on, though. Oh, can I opine for a moment? May I opine? When I teach on this, especially if I speak to young people or whatever, I, I often take a Bible and I show the appendix at the back, which is like that thick, right? Little skinny thing. And then the rest of the Bible is big and fat like that. We think that the big fat part is the world we're living in and then heaven is the little part. We've got it backwards. The spiritual world is this big. The world we're living in, the junk you're bumping into now is... Are, is anybody following what I'm saying? Okay, so this is spiritual reality. So why do Christians get weird if the unseen realm bumps into this world? Why do we get weird like, oh, that couldn't happen? Oh, 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 do you think that was, do you think an angel could have died? <gasps> yes. Unbelief is our besetting sin, isn't it? Yeah. Why should we be shocked? Now, that doesn't mean you're gullible. It doesn't mean you believe. Oh, yes, I think angels came and danced on the... That's not what I mean. But I should not be shocked if the spirit breaks in. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Let me, let me op- so I opined on that, just to set it up. But let me just give an example of how gifts, if we know what they are and we understand them, will help us not only to do our part, but to get along with our brothers and sisters. Can you imagine? See, because a person with the gift of mercy, like my wife, she wants to give away the farm. And I'm like, no, because we've got to eat next week. And then a person like me is like, never. Death to the infidels. You know, I mean, that's me. Prophecy. So you take two people. Here, th- these guys are famous. Some of you may have read your New Testament and remember this story. It happens in Acts chapter 15. Two godly men. The Apostle Paul, who is a, what? He's an apostle. That means he's a church planting, foundational, build the kingdom, A-type personality. I think he did have an A-type personality. Anybody think maybe he did? I'm driven. Guess who went with him on missions? Barnabas. Who knows his name? Barnabas. How do you say it in the original? What was it? Son of Consolation. The Son of Consolation. Barstow. I can't remember his second name. His nickname in the Greek. But anyway. It meant the son of consolation. His gift is exhortation. They're on a mission trip. A young man named John Mark called to ministry. No question the Holy Spirit was on him, called to ministry. He weaned out. It does happen. Ministry can be tough. He weaned out. They're going to go on a trip. Paul says, oh, no, I'm not taking him with us. Barnabas says, oh, we're definitely taking him with us. Bam, 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 bam. That's, it says it right in the Bible. Can you imagine two godly Christians having a conflict? I, I, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Because the Christian church is just filled with peace and harmony and love and joy all the time. By the way, one of my gifts is lying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, 
I didn't hear it. Don't, no, don't applaud. I want to hear. What did you say? Oh, thank Well, an acquired talent, by the way. Thank you for that insight, James. Yeah, how fun. Listen, anytime I do fib, I tell you right away I'm fibbing because I'm, I'm kind of a stickler about truth. I really am. So, so they're fighting, and it says such a sharp disagreement arose, they decided to go separately. Paul takes Silas, fantastic mission. Fantastic. Barnabas takes John Mark with him. Total failure, utter disgrace. No, that's not what happened. Years later, Paul says, hey, send John Mark to me. He's useful. Barnabas was tuned into something. Paul was not at the moment. Paul's on a mission. He's not wrong. Barnabas saw something. He's not wrong. They're learning, and they say, okay, okay. Let's settle it. I don't think they had a fight. I don't think they were writing in articles like the sword of the Lord, how they hated each other. I don't think that was going on. By the way, there are Christian ministries. Their whole ministry is based on dissing other Christians. That's their whole existence. It's pathetic. Anyway, it worked out. That's how two different gifts on a different trajectory can bump into each other. You can either resolve it in a godly way or you can mess up. Last thing, specialized tools. Once in a while, you need something that's not in your usual arsenal. Anybody done special building around here? You know what I mean? Like you want to drill a hole through tile in your bathroom. You ever do that? Okay, so when that happens, it's going to take a minute. I'm sorry. This is, oh, and, and no, you can't have my tool kit. Okay. I had a couple of things. I really, what I really should have brought was a chainsaw. Because, like, if you live in a townhouse, you don't need a chainsaw. But once in a while, you need one. You know, there's a tree hanging over your backyard. You know what? You have to borrow it, or you go rent it, or you go out and you say, I need some of those really fancy drill bits that go through tile. If I was doing a big tile job, I would not buy a tile cutter. I would borrow one somehow, right? It's expensive. It's one of those times that you need something particularly special that has to be done. That's what this last category of gifting is about. Let me put this verse up out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's where it gets a little crazy. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. To another, by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, by the way, notice this, gifts, plural, of healing by the one Spirit. Think of the kind of healings we need. People need emotional healing. People need physical healing. People need demonic freedom. They don't want demons. I mean, they want to be free from it. That's all true stuff. Do you follow? We read these things. Oh, well, the the word of knowledge is just some people are more knowledgeable or some people have more wisdom. No, those words... These gifts, if you do careful study, are talking about those moments of supernatural impartation where the Spirit spoke to the church. That's where some of the truth in the Scripture. The kenosis, for example. Paul is speaking a word of knowledge. Who else would have put words together like that? He was equal with God, became a man, emptied himself, took on the form of a bondservant. How do you formulate that stuff without messing up the Trinity unless the Spirit is bringing revelation? to bear. In terms of revelation, 
it's settled. I already said that. The scripture is complete. But there are times today the Spirit needs to speak to us. There are times today the Holy Spirit may move in and heal somebody. Why are we so unbelieving about that? Not all the time. I'm not into like the tap, you know. You go into church, come up to the tap, we turn the faucet on, the Holy Spirit, you know. Everybody gets it. Like, we have power to turn the Holy Spirit on and off. I don't think so. But the Spirit surely can step in. I'm going to give you one. Actually, I could give you several. I won't, I won't do the one healing one because it would take too long to set it up. Another time. Just one of those things that surprises you. It surprised me. It happened, and it surprised me because it was an impartation gift. The Spirit moves as he chooses. It's not like I'm the healer. Everybody come, let me lay hands on you. Oh, you're all healed. I'm so glad. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Did that make sense? Yes. All right. One day we were in prayer. We had a young lady. We were praying for a little precious girl in our church family who had been diagnosed with leukemia. And the family was praying, in, uh, the family, the whole church family was praying. We used to have Sunday night prayer meetings. There'd be a crowd of people who'd be pressing in. And one night as we were pressing in, the spirit moved in, which we had happen a few times. And one of the sisters, I can't even remember her name, I can see her as clear as crystal, said, I'm taking my daughter home. You need to let go. Next morning she was gone. The Holy Spirit prepared his people and his children, the parents, for what was coming. How do you get that? God has to do it. And all I'm trying to say is we need to give room for God to be God and not try to keep him in the box like we used to talk about keeping Aslan as a little kitty cat instead of a lion because that's what he is. Here's what's happening. Why should Christians be surprised? Let me show you a passage of scripture. I'm going to exhort with this and close out. Uh, next one. Let's, let's go past that. This is in Hebrews. It's an exhortation. It says people who fall away, you know, they're, they're in jeopardy, whatever. I don't want to have to unpack that. We may preach on Hebrews in the, in the fall, and then we'll get to that verse eventually. In the case of those who have been once enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, listen to this language, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Wow. Tasted the powers of the age to come. I'm in the Daily Bible. I'm still in the life of Jesus. And I'm watching him. He's at his great Galilean ministry right now. He's healing people. People touching the hem of his garment are getting healed, right? All of these amazing stories. But at one point, he cast out demons. And the Pharisees, because we got them all the time, the Pharisees will always be with us. Oh, he's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. And Jesus said, well, then who do your sons cast him out by? And by the way, you should be careful about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But let me make one more point, he says. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is among you right now. How come Jesus said it that way? The kingdom is here. The kingdom is among us. The Spirit of God can move in at any time. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then... 
I'm tasting the powers of the age to come. It's a down payment. It's a foretaste of the glory that we're going to experience. Absolute perfection, absolute peace. Once in a while, a gift of faith, uh, a gift of healing, penetrates this sick, broken world. And it's a down payment, a taste of the powers of the age to come. I probably told this story one other time. Back in Tucson, I was counseling many people who were demonically oppressed. There was a lot of occult activity and things like that. But one woman came to me whose son had drugged his mind out and gotten himself so oppressed, and we, she believed it was demonic, and I got to admit, I think she was right. He was living in a dumpster, literally living in a trash dumpster. She brought him in to see me one time, trying to counsel. I couldn't get anywhere. He's drooling on himself. The whole, it was a mess. She said, what am I going to do? I said, I, I'm not God. Boy, do you ever know you're not God in a time like that? And I said, there's only one thing I know. And I, I told her what I had learned about dealing with this. I gave her the, a book that teaches you how to warfare pray. Warfare pray. I've shared some of it with you guys. And uh, I said, take this. Here's some samples in here. I want you to just faithful. I didn't know what else to say. I felt like the Spirit gave me that much. Take this. Pray it over him every day. It must have been a year and a half later, the door opens to my office, and in comes this woman with her son, clothed and in his right mind, totally together, employed, whatever it was. And I'm like, you must have done what I said. <laughs> Who did that? That was God. A taste of the powers of the age to come, just a little bit. Glory to God. All gifts are designed. We can put that slide down. Signs are for unbelievers to confirm the gospel. Signs encourage us. All gifts are designed to bear fruit for God's kingdom. God has given me leaders. They are gifts to me. Some have been gifts to you. There are combinations of gifts that bear fruit. There are medical missionaries who are a combination of gifts where mercy bears fruit, where helps bears fruit. Signs and wonders can bear fruit. Teaching the gospel bears fruit. Witnessing bears fruit. Go on and on and on. The goal is that we bear fruit and that we build up the body and add to it. I was going to have questions and answers, but I'm out of time. And I have a feeling I haven't bored you too much. But I'm going to end with this, because why does God give us all this, and why do we build up the body of Christ? Is it just so we can be cool? It's because we are becoming, all of us, conformed more and more and more to the image of Jesus. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to use them, we need to be used to being under the control of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that make sense? That's when they're energized. If I want to preach, I'm always asking God, I want to make sure I'm in fellowship with you, Lord. I want to make sure the Holy Spirit is ministering. Activate your gift. That's my private prayer. Activate your gift. Edify your people. Because left to myself, I'm going to screw up. So maybe you want to serve God. Like a guy going to missions. Dave, something like that. Listen to this story. It's stolen from uh, Mr. Flynn's book. I love this. And I've heard this before. I think this is a true story. Guy wanted to serve the Lord. 
At five o'clock, one snowy morning, five o'clock in the morning, a missionary candidate rang the bell at the address of the missionary examiner's home, his interview. He was ushered into the office where he sat till eight o'clock. Do the math. The examiner, a retired missionary, began his interrogation. Can you spell? Rather mystified, the candidate said, Yes, sir. All right, spell Baker. B-A-K-E-R, Baker, fine. Now, do you know anything about numbers, the examiner continued. Uh, yes, sir, something. Please add two and two. You're awfully quiet. Four, replied the candidate. That's fine, commented the examiner. I believe you have passed. I'll tell the board tomorrow. At the board meeting, the examiner reported on the interview. He has all the qualifications of a missionary. First, I tested him on self-denial, making him arrive at 5 a.m. He left a warm bed, came out in the snow without any complaint. Second, I tested him on promptness. He arrived on time. Third, I examined him on patience. I made him wait three hours to see me. Fourth, I tested him on temper. He failed to show any sign of aggravation or anger at the delay. Fifth, I tried his humility by asking him questions a seven-year-old child could have answered. And he showed no indignation. So you see, I believe the candidate meets the requirements. We will make the missionary we need. Let's stand together. More important than gifts, more important than talents, more important than all the junk we own is the person of our Savior Jesus who's trying to be reproduced in his people. Use our gifts, use our hearts as we yield to you. Make us more like you. As an assembly, Lord, we're asking for grace in this place. Thank you that you're the living God. You can do whatever you want. We can try to box you in, but you're the living God. Glorify yourself and do it in this place, we pray. Help your people in their path of discovery, not only to be like Jesus, but to find those giftings and talents that work together to build the body of Christ, because that's why we're here. We didn't go straight to heaven. You left us here with an ability. Let us use it. Thanks for the patience of your people. Bless them today. Keep them safe. Put your angels around us. We'll thank you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen and amen. I'm up here if you need to talk. God bless you. See you later.